Welcome to I Communicate on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. To join the conversation, call 508-871-7000. Now, here's your host, Mark Altman. Good afternoon and welcome to the Mindset Go Radio Show. I'm your host, Mark Altman. Glad to be back here on a Thursday. And I am the president of Mindset Go and uh, big believer in helping people become more confident and effective communicators. And each week we talk about different challenges people have in the workplace, at home, on a sports field or court, personal lives, professional lives. And what we're ultimately trying to accomplish is we're trying to help people become more aware, you know, use emotional intelligence to more effectively communicate from people in terms of be aware of how you're perceived and how you act have more self-control so you can respond and not react, know the things that motivate you, have the conversational intelligence to really understand uh, how to have conversations with people when you want to advocate for yourself, when you have ideas, thoughts, feelings, emotions you want to express. And there are so many opportunities every day with different kinds of people to use communication intelligence, and that's what this show is about. And we have an interesting topic today. I, I, I got this idea. I was thinking about, I was doing a leadership training for a group a couple of weeks back. And one of the activities I had them do was I had the head of sales and the head of customer service complete this sentence for the other. So I asked the customer service person to say, the thing salespeople don't understand about customer service is blank. And the thing customer service people don't understand about sales is blank. Just so they could get and, you know, gather each other's perspectives, relate to the different challenges they and their teams face. And it was interesting. And one of the things that the sales manager said is he talked about how customer service people don't realize how hard it is to get a customer. And it got me thinking, boy, is that hard. And... You know, often you're hearing a term thrown around these days like called customer experience. And it's an important term, but most customers just want things to be done right. They want their expectations to be met. And this show today, we're going to talk about the concept of really setting expectations with your customers about what you need and want and meeting the expectations of the customer of what they need and want in the concept of firing a customer. So, you know, I remember the first company I had, Mark Altman Associates, we did a lot of work with government and utilities. And one of the things I told my customer service team was, I don't sign your checks, the customers sign the checks. And leaders say that kind of thing all the time. The customers pay the bill, the customers sign the checks. In organizations that really understand the importance of a customer, really are are echoing that message throughout all the departments within that organization. It's interwoven within the company's culture that the customer is treated first and foremost, almost, I mean, I hate to say it like this, but it's almost as a deity. And so it got me to thinking, you know, there's, there's a, when you're an entrepreneur, when you're in business, there's this age old question of who's our ideal customer. 
And when we answer that question, we typically refer to a demographic or an industry or an age group or just something specific that really fits the customer. But to me, when I think of an ideal customer, I might I might use some different descriptive words. I might use loyalty. I might use respect. I might use uh, clear communication, someone who really kind of says what's on their mind and says what they expect of you and there's no games or hidden agendas. But the show today is really to understand what is it that we want and expect with customers. And a lot of us feel like if we have customers that we don't like, and customers that are very difficult to manage or service or support, we almost feel like we're stuck and we have to keep them. Because what happens if we were to advocate on the company behalf and say, you know what, we can't keep this customer, we don't want this customer. And I think part of the reason why that's a struggle for so many companies is because they don't really look at the full picture. Because the prevailing concern is money. You know, we need that customer's revenue or income. And certainly if the customer is a small customer and makes up in a really minute percentage of your business, well, it's certainly easy to rationalize in those cases. But even then, it is a challenge because you don't want it to get out that you're firing a customer. And here's what I don't think we're thinking about when we determine whether we want to keep a customer or not. So this is from your own perspective, right? So the first thing is, they can draw against your passion. So if you're a small business owner or an entrepreneur, theoretically, the reason why you got into the business you did is because you have a passion for it. I would imagine a part of it is you feel like you're good at it and you're knowledgeable about it, but presumably, you're very passionate about what you do. And when you work with customers that, uh, to steal a phrase from someone I... I uh, I run a, a masterminds group. I chair a masterminds group with fellow exe- executives, and he used the term energy vampires. And he uses that term because some customers just suck the life out of you and suck the energy out of you. And that can be really painful because if there's enough of that by one or a handful of customers, sometimes it's easy to forget why you got in the business in the first place. So really being clear of how those customers are f- affecting not only your passion for running the business, but even your support team, your service team, your account management team who have to service these customers, and perhaps it could be sucking their motivation and emotional intelligence out of them. The second thing is, are they replaceable? So, so many decisions we make are guided by fear. And one of the decisions we make is if we get rid of a customer, that customer that was so hard to get, that customer that the sales team might have spent a year forming that relationship and closing that deal, that can be devastating not only to the salesperson, but the mindset of how can we do that? How can we take away this income and revenue we work so hard to get? Well, the fact is, is everybody's replaceable. And, and, I, and I can attest to that personally because now when I go to the supermarket, I feel like I'm an employee of a supermarket because I have to check out myself. And for those of you laughing, I, I am serious. You know, I part of my enjoyment in going to buy something is I like dealing with people. I like having that interaction. And now, you know, when I have to check myself out, especially when I have to look things up and type numbers in, it's really the last thing I want to have to do when I go to the store but let's face it, everybody's replaceable. We're seeing it everywhere we look. We have kiosks, we have you know, automation, 
and customers are replaceable too. And then the third thing that I think we tend to forget is for those of us in certain industries who are in the business of giving customers guidance, recommendations, advice, suggestions, you name it, well, if they don't take that, that advice or those suggestions and we continue to work for them, uh, their lack of trust to our expertise and knowledge can reflect the success level that customer achieves. And then if the customer is with you for six months or a year or two years and they don't see the results that they're looking for, it might be because they didn't follow your guidance and recommendations and take your suggestions. So when they see that the results aren't there, they're not remembering it's because of that. They're remembering, look, I paid you all this money. Uh, where's the ROI? Where are the results? Where? How come my expectations haven't been met? And so those are three really important criteria. When you're evaluating whether or not to keep a customer, those criteria are all very high-level questions you need to ask to determine whether you can keep the customer or want to keep the customer. And what's interesting to me in my old business with municipalities and government and utilities, I would have people say to me all the time, you know, they would say, oh God, people in government are so difficult to deal with. They have such high expectations. They're so tough and so on and so forth. And I would say, I never minded it. Because from my point of view, whenever I'm servicing a customer, I just want to know where I stand. I just don't want to have to guess. So I'd rather deal with the customer that's very direct, even tough, and has very high expectations because I know how to make them happy. And if I can't make them happy, I'll let them know. But for the customers who are unpredictable, who sometimes they're happy, sometimes they're not, whose mood and energy level can sway to the wind, and for the customers that can be aloof at times and really difficult to get along with, that's what I'm afraid of. Because I feel like I could do everything in the world the right way, everything they, they wanted, meet their expectations, but then they're still not happy. And that's a really helpless feeling. So when we come back from our first break, we're going to talk more about the quandary of how do you make decisions about keeping customers or firing customers? What are your expectations when you are a customer? And what are your expectations when you're serving a customer? This is Mark Altman for the Mindset Go Radio Show. We'll be back after the break. Now, I communicate continues on full service radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host. Mark Altman. Welcome back to the Mindset Go Radio Show. We're talking about customers. Uh, when to fire, you know, when to keep, what your expectations are with them, and what their expectations are of you. And, you know, for me, when I work with customer service, I think about what are your own core values when you're servicing a customer? Because that, that's a big word. And the things when you deal with a customer, the things that are going to frustrate you are often going to be things that are inconsistent with how you want to be communicated or how you expect to be communicated with. And so I think about communication as the foundation for anything and certainly the starting point in making this decision. So when I work with a customer, I want to be very clear early on with things like 
How often do you want to be communicated with? What is your preferred way of being communicated with? And is the onus of communication on me to be proactive or them to be reactive? And what I mean by that is when there's a situation pending, maybe a job order or a project or a task pending, shall I own it or do they want to own it? And ladies and gentlemen, that's really important because if someone is used to being in control of a project and they don't want to be nagged, they might have the attitude, I'll let you know when I have an update. And I'm talking about it's the customer themselves that feels that way. But if the customer expects me to stay in control of the situation, that's an important thing to realize from the get-go. Probably one of my biggest pet peeves when being being a customer for somebody else is when I'm trying to check on something and they say, I'll let you know as soon as I have some, some information for you, as soon as I have an answer. Now think of that expression. I'll let you know as soon as I know. Well, that doesn't tell me anything. And that's very frustrating to me for a number of reasons, but primarily I have a lot of other people to answer to. So when someone tells me, I'll let you know when I know, and I have to go back to my director, my supervisor, the president of a company, customer service, whoever the people I need to report to, I can't tell them anything because I don't know when they're going to get back to me. So that happens to be a big pet peeve. So my rule of thumb from a communication is if you're delivering exceptional customer service, your customer should know where you are at in the process at any given time. If they are sitting in their office, if they are driving, if they are at home and they're wondering, geez, I wonder where such and such company is in handling my order. I wonder if my materials have arrived yet. I wonder when our next appointment will be. All these kinds of questions are something that you should be proactive in making sure the customer feels like they're in the loop and they're not guessing and wondering. That to me is the foundation of communication. Now, we all hear about this concept of don't overpromise and underdeliver, right? We're supposed to underpromise and overdeliver. It's a very interesting polarizing phrase because underpromising and overdelivering implies that you may not have a lot of faith that you or the people you're counting on can deliver accurately. And so the premise behind underpromise overdeliver is you look like a hero, right? Because if you say something's going to happen a week from now and it happens three days from now, you get to call the customer and say, look, great news. I thought it was going to be a week and it's only three days. But what's interesting about this is when I think of that phrase, part of it is it can be a cop-out because we really want to understand what our limitations are of our company, of our teams, of ourselves. And we want to really wrap our arms around being able to convey accurate information to the customer. And sometimes I believe that when you say under-promise and over-deliver, it can be almost an excuse to not really get accurate information. And frankly, it can take the sense of urgency off the people involved because they know they have a cushion to work with. So there's a fine line with that expression. And it's important that we discern between that expression used for good and that expression used for excuses and just to build in an unnecessary cushion, right? Because sometimes someone might need something in three days, 
we know it was going to take five days and we'll say, hey, most of the time it takes five days and they'll get three. But then if it takes five, they're still not necessarily happy because their expectation, even though you warned them, was it would take three. So when I think about the kind of customers that I'm working with, I, it all starts with trust. And so when I identify my ideal customer, I want to be able to trust the customer. A customer to me is no different than a friend. It's no different than a colleague. It's no different than any other relationship I'm in. I want to set the ground rules. I want to establish how we're going to talk and communicate with each other. And I want to be able to mutually meet expectations. And I think sometimes we go into interactions with customers, putting them on such a high pedestal, setting such unrealistic precedents and standards that it, may, it puts a lot of internal pressure on customer service people and operational people to meet them. And I think from an entrepreneurial perspective, when you're an executive or the leader of an organization and you're so attached to revenue, you don't want to turn down a customer. You, you know how hard customers are to land. And so when we have an opportunity to get business and serve that customer, there's this mindset of we need to do whatever it takes. And so this company I was working with, we were talking about that. And we were talking about when it would be okay to push back when it would be okay to say, listen, we can't do this. And so I pose the question to the company that when someone calls up and makes an unreasonable demand, an unusual demand, unreasonable demand, perhaps it takes you a week or two weeks to do something, and this customer expects you to do it in two days or three days. So in some cases, in half the time or even a quarter of the time left to do that. Well, the, the way the chain of command works is typically... The leader of an organization says to the people that are responsible for this, listen, we got to get this done. This is a big customer. This is an important customer. We need to do right by them. Well, I don't have any problem with that. I always wanted to do right by all my customers. But part of the problem with that mindset is I'm not naive. I, I understand that every organization looks at the size of the customers differently. They can say they don't. But ultimately, it comes back to that fear that if you have a customer that's making up 10 to 20% of your revenue, or even 5% of your revenue in some cases, and you have a customer that maybe makes up 1% or does occasional orders or isn't necessarily loyal and maybe makes decisions solely based on price, then your, your sense of urgency and your commitment to getting things done for them may be different. But let's go back, right? So this customer calls up with an unusually unrealistic expectation demand, and it filters through the organization that the customer's first, the customer's always right, we need to do right by them. And so I said to this, this, this one of the executives of this company, I said, listen, I'm with you to a point, but I don't want to set unrealistic, unrealistic standards and expectations. So I might say to that customer, hey, you know what, we're going to make this happen for you this time because you are an important customer and you are a loyal customer. But just moving forward, I just want you to know this can't be a normal practice for us because, and then I would go on to explain my process and how things work so the customer can get some perspective and empathy on why we need more time and how we want to assure quality assurance and that things are done properly. And so we'll do it and no extra charges 
just so you know, this is not how we normally do it, and I just don't want to set up that expectation. And so the person said back to me, he said, well, wait a minute, Mark. He said, this is the thing. We're in, a, we're in a, an economy where, as it was in this industry, um, it's very hard. It's a declining industry, and it's very hard to get customers. It's like, Mark, we can't, we can't start upcharging people, or we can't start uh, creating a dynamic that we won't move mountains because they'll find someone else. And there it is, right? There's the fear. And so, you know, I said at the top of the show, you know, fear really dictates so many decisions about the kind of customers we acquire and keep and serve. And so I said, look, I think the kind of relationship you want with your customer is an open one. And if you are a, if you have an if you have a mindset of servitude, that's fine. But you know, what'll end up happening is if you don't have any standards and you don't communicate any boundaries or guidelines, not only will you typically get taken advantage of, but you'll also feel like in other situations where you normally could set guidelines and boundaries, you'll lose the ability or the, the belief that you can do it at all. So when we come back from the second, race, second break, we're going to continue this conversation about setting standards and how to advocate for yourself with difficult customers. So this is Mark Altman for the Mindset Go Radio Show. We'll be right back. You're listening to I Communicate on Full Service Radio 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Welcome back to the radio show, Mindset Go Radio Show. I'm your host, Mark Altman, and we're talking about uh, firing customers and the dynamic of a, a mutually successful relationship of setting expectations with customers. So we're talking about this decision where the customer has an unrealistic demand, and my rule of thumb is, look, communicate what your norm is, share with them how you typically handle the storm, communicate with them why it is your norm, and why you need that kind of lead time or timeline. And then document it, put it in writing so they can see that it was something special and that you have a paper trail of how things will go moving forward. With a lot of my customers, I do a lot of uh, pro bono work or I put in extra time because I want to exceed expectations. So very often I'll send an invoice and I'll put in the extra time, but no charge, just so they can see it and they don't take it for granted. Because none of us want to be taken for granted. None of us want to be felt like we're taken advantage of. And, you know, I used to see this a lot when I was in college, when I was a, a, a waiter in a restaurant waiting tables. I used to work at this restaurant in Anaheim. Went to college at Cal State Fullerton. I used to work at this restaurant called Charlie Brown's. And it was right across the street from Anaheim Stadium and what was eventually the Arrowhead Pond of Anaheim. So we'd get a lot of people coming in and they did a lot of specials and a lot of people would come in for dinner who weren't typically eating out for dinner, and their manners were very poor. It was almost like, hey, I'm out to dinner. I can act uh, disrespectful. And I used to get really frustrated because I said, why why do you feel like, because you're out to dinner, you can act a certain way? And so I wanted to set boundaries, right? I wanted, I didn't want to allow myself to get treated a certain way, but I needed the customer, and the restaurant needed the customer. So that's what this show is about today. We're trying to find that happy medium 
between servicing a customer and making them feel not like a number and making them feel like you want to exceed their expectations, while at the same time acknowledging that they have some responsibilities and that there's some things they need to own up to do for the relationship to be mutually beneficial. And so I often talk about what are our four obligations we have to communicate effectively. And when I talk about it in training and when I've talked about it on the show, there are four obligations that we have to evaluate our own communication. One of them are the words we choose, what you say. One of them is how you say it. One of them is listening actively and reflectively. And one of them is body language, modeling it, interpreting it, and responding to it. So that's how, those are your parameters. That's how you can measure, hey, did I do those things effectively to know that the communication was effective? Well, here are the things I think we're obligated to do for our customers. We're obligated to be transparent, right? If it's bad news, it's bad news. Figure out a way to frame the news in an authentic way, but in a way that the customer can understand and appreciate. You know, there's this concept of, I'm working really hard for you. I'm doing everything I can. I, I, God, I, every time I hear people say, I'm doing everything I can or I'm working really hard, I, I don't even know what that means because what you think might be doing everything you can might not be what I think can be doing everything you can. And so those expressions are empty. And so I want to be really transparent. I want you to tell, I want you to tell customers what you're doing. I want you to give very clear and defined timelines. I want you to be realistic. I want you to follow up. And this is the big one, right? I want you to be a problem solver, right? I want you to be the kind of person that does not utter the, utter the kind of sentences when you're on a call. I don't want you to say there's nothing I can do. I don't want you to say that's our policy. I don't want you to say don't shoot the messenger because those are things that won't make people feel better. If anything, they'll become more agitated because they'll feel like you're being robotic or there's nothing you can do. And so part of understanding the dynamic and the relationship of customers and and in companies is each each person has a role right and so we've spent the majority of this show kind of identifying you know what are the things that as the company serving the customer that you need to be doing and and I want to shift gears and start talking more about what is it what is it that we expect out of the customer that would encourage us to keep their business and want to serve them to the highest level because Part of this challenge here, everybody, is sometimes if we keep a customer and the customer service people or account management people don't trust them or like them, then it's going to Im- impact their desire and skill set and ability to interact with them effectively. And then the relationship deteriorates both ways, and then we're wondering who to blame. And so that's another side effect of keeping a customer that we shouldn't or not setting boundaries with a customer. So here are the things that I look at when the client is physically or mentally abusive. Now, here's the thing about that. A lot of you listening to the show might say, well, of course, you know, if the client's berating our customer service people or account management people, certainly we don't want a customer like that. And, you know, I come back to the fact, and I'm not rationalizing because we shouldn't keep a customer like that. However, I want to understand where this is coming from. 
you know, I want to understand the track record and precedent with this customer because if a customer acts uh, very inconsistently with the norm of how they've reacted and a customer service person walks up to you as a leader and says, you'll never guess what this customer said to me. You can't believe how this customer is treating me. Well, we want to really understand the facts because even when we do call coaching and we listen back to the calls, if people are acting outside the norm, that's that's my first kind of trying to understand where this is coming from. And listen, I'm not letting the customer off. They could be responsible for this, but it's actually very relevant to know where the anger and frustration and lack of self-awareness of how you're treating another human being is coming from. So does the client make unreasonable demands? Like here, here's another one. And what's interesting about client making unreasonable demands, I live by the motto. It never hurts to ask. I ask questions all the time. If I had a nickel for every time in my life I'd been with someone else or I've had someone on the other side of a business interaction say, geez, I've never been asked that before. Or, wow, what an, what an unusual question. And sometimes it's said in a passive-aggressive way to insult me. I don't really care because I'm a big believer in asking because you can't get what you want unless you ask. And the worst thing someone can say is no. So when a client makes unreasonable demands, uh, I'm not as concerned by them making unreasonable demands. I'm more concerned with their response to me being unable to meet their demands. Because if they make a demand and expectations have been set and they're acting annoyed or agitated, then that feels unreasonable because... They didn't seem to really have a right to make that expectation in the first place if it wasn't articulated and agreed on. Now, what's, one of the things that's interesting about customers is customers that are slow to pay. You know, we all have those customers that might take 60 or 90 days to pay. And it's usually, what I usually find is the customers that take the most time to pay are the ones that very often are the highest maintenance and the ones that have the most needs. And so... What's really tricky, and I've seen this with a couple of companies I've worked with, is we, we, we want people, we want to encourage customers to have to speak up. We want customers to be able to express themselves, initiate feedback. Uh, we, we want them to have those characteristics. But again, the impact of the customer slow paying, making unreasonable demands, being dishonest, Say they said something they didn't say. A customer that frequently changes their mind and is changing your work order or changing the requirements or specifications of the job you're doing. These are all things that are really bad habits for customers and things that uh, make us not want to serve them. So there's three things I really want you to think about, right? The first thing I want you to think about is Why do I want this customer? So when you get to a point where you have enough people or individuals within your organization who are not happy with serving this customer, why do do we want this customer? Why do we need this customer? And invariably, the answer is going to be tied to money in most cases. The second question I want you to ask is, what are the things the customer is doing that interfere with our core values, right? Because you don't have to, everywhere you look, you'll read about how internal customer service, taking care of your leaders, taking care of your employees, if you do that correctly, you'll get the external customer service and the support of your customer base you want. But at the end of the day, 
Where is the difference in core values? And if customers are acting a certain way towards your people that you wouldn't internally allow people within your organization to act that way towards each other, that's a big red flag. And it sends a very contradictory message around culture, around acceptable behavior, around expectations. And so we really need to be clear that we expect the same kind of culture and behavior from everybody. And then the last thing is, well, what would happen if we lose this customer? And what are we going to do? How are we going to tell the customer we don't want? That is a huge fear for people, even if they get to the point where they know they need to, they know they want to fire the customer. How the heck do you have that conversation and interaction? So when we come back for our final segment, I will share some communication intelligence techniques on how to have those conversations and how to power and how to empower your customer service team to advocate for themselves. This is Mark Altman for the Mindset Go Radio Show. We'll be back after the break. Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Welcome back for our final segment of the Mindset Go Radio Show. I am your host, Mark Altman, and we are talking about difficult customers. We're talking about how to empower your customer service team and your organization to deal with difficult customers and the importance of setting expectations as a critical ingredient to confident and effective communication. So how do you have that conversation, right? So you know, you know that you have this customer that you need to let go. You need to show your organization you mean big business internally, that you're not going to allow your people to get talked to this way, right? You're not going to allow clients to treat your internal employees a certain way. So it's a very difficult conversation to have, and you can't really have the uh, it's not you, it's me speech, right? That doesn't really work with customers as much as we may like it to. So the first thing is, where do we want to have this conversation? And it's really not an easy thing. And one of the points I make to HR people and managers who are considering firing an employee for you know, lack of productivity or efficiency or some kind of habit is... How many conversations, if any, have been had before you get to this point? Because part of the problem is, is if people don't do what you ask them to do and habits aren't changing and behaviors aren't changing, it could be because the people expressing those feelings and communicating those things aren't doing it all that effectively. So when I say plan it, it's important to understand what has been discussed previously. It's important to evaluate because one of the things I hear most often that people who work for bosses, who have bosses, which is most of the entire world, is unpredictability, not knowing something. So when something is brought to their attention, it catches them off guard. They didn't see it coming. And that's a very dangerous thing. So when you're firing a customer, one of the first things you have to ask yourself is, do they see it coming? You know, what kind of interactions have been had to elevate some of the concerns you have within the organization to get it to that point? Because if it's just account manager or customer service complaints transitioning to firing feels like there's some steps that should have happened in between. So 
obviously the documentation of the interactions and what kind of uh, escalation took place, not just escalation of the problem, but what was communicated that you wanted or needed the customer to do differently if you were going to continue to do business with them. The second thing is how to say it. And, you know, I often talk in the communication trainings I do about people say they want direct communication, but most people really don't because once once you tell people what's upsetting you or what's bothering you or why you need to make a change, people invariably go on the defensive and they stop listening and really can't hear anything else you're saying because they're disappointed or they're upset or they're hurt or they're frustrated. It's the equivalent, as I've mentioned before, about saying, unfortunately, at the beginning of a sentence that you know everything coming after in that sentence is going to be bad or negative. So I think it's important to recognize and start a conversation with a customer on how things have evolved in your organization. Some of the uh, changes that you've made, some of the interactions you've seen with the customer, and where some of the concerns have, have, have lied... But I think it's important to start it at a high level to say kind of what prompted you to do this. You're making your, 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 your organization is always evolving and growing and give examples of how and why and what some of the core values you have in standard and standardize and see how the customer reacts. And, you know, one of the things that I think we forget about is so many people act certain ways because that's all they know. And a lot of times customers may treat people, and when I say customers, it could be one individual. I don't mean to put this blanket umbrella over companies in general, because it could be the very person you're dealing with that's difficult to deal with. And a lot of times those individuals don't realize how they come across. They don't have the emotional intelligence. They don't have the self-awareness to know that they're being dishonest or they have unreasonable expectations or they keep changing things because they're disorganized. And those of you who may be listening to this rolling your eyes may be saying, well, they know, they know, they know. Well, they may. They may, but some people have acted a certain way for so long and no one's actually ever called them on it that, that this is how they're acting. So having that conversation, making sure it's on equal ground, making sure you're, you're talking about the evolution of why you make the decisions you do, I think is really important. One of the things that's also important is who's the replacement? And, you know, if you have certain revenue goals or certain customer hierarchy goals that you're trying to hit, you may decide that you want to make sure you have someone to replace this customer before you let them go. And I get that. You know, I've been there. I get that. And at the same time, I think that knowing your replacement or phasing a customer out, I think can work. But you, again, have to understand the frequency that customer is doing business with you and how it's interfering the employee engagement and motivation level of the people dealing with that customer. Because you may keep a customer for six months or a year and that one customer could drive an employee out of your company because of the emotional toll it takes because they don't want to be talked down to or they don't want to be treated that way. And we don't often measure that, well, yeah, we don't want to lose that revenue, but we have to actually compare it against something, whether it's employee engagement, whether it's employee re retention, whether it's employee productivity, it could be any of those things. So is it important to know your replacement? Yes. Is it important to phase them out? Yes. But it's also important 
to measure that against acting slowly. Now, one of the things is, and really the final thought on this, is how you'll wrap it up. Customers don't want to be left in a lurch. So regardless of whether you're firing the customer, you at least owe the customer peace of mind to how you'll help them make the transition, how you'll tie, them, t- tie things up neatly. And so I think it's really important to set expectations, ask the customer what are the things they expect as you transition away from them, how much notice will they have, who will be involved in the transition, and if there's anything else they need that you can help them with. I think, you know, I know those are all very important components. And where those are all important components, it is a bit of a gut punch, you know, for both sides. You know, the customer is really, no customer expects to be fired. It's, it's really a, a slap in the face. And unfortunately for many customers, it doesn't really change the behavior of the individual or the company, but it is a slap in the face. It's being broken up with. It's being rejected. And on your side of the table, it's a gut punch because, as I said at the top of the show, you know how much energy and time went into landing this customer. You know how how much effort and heart went into servicing the customer and being patient with the customer and doing right by the customer. So it's really a gut punch on both sides. It's really a lose-lose from a short-term perspective of having that conversation, which is why so many organizations struggle to do it because it doesn't feel good. And what's really important as a final thought today is, depending on the size of the company, when an employee leaves, when an employee gets fired, when an employee quits, when an employee, nothing bad happens, but they've just gone on to something different or what they perceive as better, it's really awkward not to say anything. And I know there's a lot of departments, depending on the size of the company, but even within your department, addressing it. Because there's a lot of talk that goes on. Boy, what happened with that employee? And gosh, you know, did they quit? Did they get fired? You know, um, am I next? And it creates this, this sense of uneasiness and fear and frustration. And so a lot of times we feel like things are better left unsaid because it opens the door to whatever we convince ourselves it opens the door to. And it's not good. It has to be addressed. It's the elephant in the room. If there is a change within your team, within your department, within your organization, it needs to be addressed in an authentic and genuine manner. And the same goes for customers. So when when a customer leaves, not because they were a difficult customer, they, they found a better price, they found what they perceive as a better vendor, you cannot address it or you can address it and share with your team what you've learned, why you think they may have left, do some kind of exit interview with the customer to see how you can improve. I mean, those are all really important aspects or factors. And on the same token, if you have to fire a customer, a similar conversation needs to be had. Why did you fire the customer? What is the example you're trying to model and set in the organization? People will feel heard. People will feel validated. You're setting a tone. You're setting expectations on how you want them to be treated treated inside and outside the organization. So look, when I talk about customer service as a final thought for today, when there's, when there's coaching or training around customer service leaders or people, you hear words like customer service training or customer experience training. To me, it's about customer management. It's about people management, right? 
How do you manage those relationships between your company, between your department, and your customers? And they're complex. And they involve having tough conversations. They involve setting expectations. They involve advocating for yourself. And they involve going exceeding the expectations of a customer. And all those things are critical. So I like to focus on customer management and help people know how to communicate most effectively so the customer feels heard, validated, appreciated, and respected, and your employees feel heard, validated, appreciated, and respected, and you can have the best of both worlds. This has been another edition of the Mindset Go Radio Show. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we will look forward to seeing you next week. For more information on Mindset Go, 978-206-1535 or email info at mindsetgo.com. Have a good week. You've been listening to I Communicate with your host, Mark Altman. Join us again each week at this time on Full Service Radio, WCRN.